Richard Branson, who owns Virgin Airlines, yeah. Virgin Music, Mobile, all that stuff. He says, train your people well enough so they can leave. Wow. Treat them well enough so they won't. Wow. Welcome back to the uh, to the Functional Life Podcast, as we as we call this. It's been a while. Uh, I sort of uh, we took a break on doing this for several reasons. Most of them that I just didn't want to, didn't feel like it, didn't feel like I had a lot of great things to say, and then uh, had some things come up, some great opportunities. One of those being a friend that challenged me and brought to my attention that that uh, he thought this would be fun. So we're going to reinvent this, relaunch this. Hopefully something bigger and better, more more valuable, more useful. And uh, there's there's a co-host now. And uh, so my friend uh, Jason Ferguson is with me today, mm-hmm. and uh, we've we've become great friends. Uh, and and we we think we're good at talking. I mean, we talk a lot. We talk a lot. We talk a lot. <laughs> we we share a lot of uh, just ideas and conversations around things that this podcast has been about: fitness, family stuff, uh, faith. Maybe some other choice F words. Yeah, finances. There. Finances, there you go. Effing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Sometimes effing finances. Right. <laughs> That's a fact. So, uh, so uh, Jason, we thought it would be fun to do this together. And, and so today we're going to kick this off as sort of our first episode together. We're going to uh, do something sort of special that I had on my plate I needed to do anyways. And then we're hopefully going to lead this into bringing some guests on that are friends of ours, people from around our community here, our our. our Jim here at Synergy, uh, maybe even in the community at large, and who knows where we'll take this. But Jason, introduce yourself. Give us a 30-second. Who is Jason Ferguson? Yeah, that, well, that's a good question. I'm trying to figure that out yep. still myself. Um, <laughs> uh, Jason, um, married to Jen. We have four kids, um, which is a whole podcast in and of itself, how we got there. Mm-hmm. Um, not how we got there. Yeah, we that's understand. one of those F words, I think. It, it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we talked about doing this and, um, I think my hope is, you know, uh, growing up, I, I lived on the st- same street as my grandmother and grandfather. And mm-hmm. there's something really special about being around those who've been around and have some wisdom to share and that sort of community, a lot of times in family, but other times, you know, whether it's church or another community org- organization, sharing of wisdom is, is just something that we need. Mm. and not that you or I necessarily have a ton of that, but I do think it will be fun to bring on guests that have wisdom in certain areas, and let's leverage the life experiences of those around us. I mean, we have a lot of really impressive people in our lives, in this gym, uh, in this community, and if we can glean a little bit from them and share that with folks, I think that would be really valuable. Well said. That's that's so true. That's so true. That We've been blessed, and we're fortunate, and to not share that would be a shame, I think, so... Well, and that's one of the curses I think of today's society is we're kind of siloed in our own individual places and we don't necessarily create the opportunity for sharing and learning and, and having a depth of relationship where you can ask questions. Um, and so maybe we can help speed that along a little bit through this. So people are afraid to put themselves out there. And, and it's, it's, we've come through, through a time and I think our culture where we we're not, don't feel bold to talk about things that are important to us that we believe in. I feel judged for it, my, and and I think that's hurt us as yeah. a society. So I, I think that this is going to be fun for that reason alone to challenge people. Let's let's hear from you. 
Agreed. Well, in that regard of answering questions, I guess, and uh, and putting ourselves out there, uh, that's what today's going to be. We're kicking this off sort of, I guess, as a, I guess I'm the guest, if you want to look at it that you way. You are the guest. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guest and the host. We we I was asked uh, as a part of sort of a small business thing from a, from a group that I've worked with, a little consulting group in our industry. I think if anyone's listening that Probably everyone listening knows that, but we own a gym. This is where we're hosting this. We, we're a, a sort of facility that all things fitness, nutrition. We got physical therapy, chiropractic work, parties, prom dances. We do just about everything out here. <laughs> everything surrounding functional life happens in this place, and and it's been a beautiful thing. And and uh, I worked with a a guy in a group uh, many many years ago that I think helped propel some of the ideas that maybe led to, to what's seen as a, as a successful place we have here. And as a part of that, I was asked to sit on a panel to, to answer questions from other, other people uh, in, in this group that aren't there yet and want to get there. And, um, and most, I'm assuming mostly uh, knowing this group, it's mostly gym, boutique, fitness, health, fitness, nutrition type professionals and, and entrepreneurs and owners out there. And I was I was honored to do that more on the small business side. So I, I think I'm assuming at least a lot of the questions that I was asked to 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 represent and field weren't necessarily on you know fitness movements, squats, rowing, deadlifts, back throw, nutrition, protein, supplements, and nothing like that so much. But more on the uh, just the entrepreneur small business side of a brick and mortar uh, you know fitness facility, or maybe I don't know what the questions are, but any any sort of small business maybe. So. Uh, I was excited and happy to do that, and we thought it'd be fun if Jason, if we made this our first episode, and he asked me, and asked me live um, without knowing what the questions are. So one of my downsides is I'll over-prepare and probably over-talk about things. And uh, so this is going to be, uh, can you confirm, I have not seen these questions. <laughs> Definitely not seen save them. Save from maybe a couple that come in, came in from Instagram that I do know from from our local people here. But I, I do not know what these questions are ahead of time. I'm going to answer them right off the top of my head, I guess, how how... First thing that comes to mind is what I'm going to say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll make this easy. They're definitely anonymous. They came to me. Will's not seen them. Um, and, and you're right. Most of them, a few are, are gem specific, but most of them apply to any startup or um, growing business. So I think it'll be very, very relevant to a lot of people. Great. Uh, before I get going to the first one is a quick, quick background. If, for those that don't know this, I opened this uh, guest rot going on eight years ago, probably started the business eight years ago. Maybe it's been seven. I get my math backwards uh, uh, some, sometimes when we actually opened our door. Um, so we, we've we been here. I transitioned out of the healthcare field. I was in radiology and, and doing some sales work in that field and transitioned to that. At the same time, we had our first child sort of trying to find a new path for my life. And uh Synergy is the name of our of our shop here, and uh, so we are, I guess, going on eight years strong here, and uh, a happy, healthy, 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 also healthy. We do some helping. Yeah, happy, I love it. <laughs> happy, healthy <laughs> facility. Happy, healthy, fun facility. Yeah. So, without any further ado, Jason, what do you got for me? I'm nervous. I'm sort of nervous. Funny, and I never <laughs> get nervous about things, but uh, no, it's fantastic because you know I'm going to ask hard questions at the end. So, okay. uh, this one actually segues perfectly into what you just said, um, and I'll read the question, and then we can can dive in a little bit. Okay. Not sure if you started your business as a side gig or not, but I'm debating when the right time is to quit my full time job and pour myself into this full time. When at least at this point, I wouldn't be able to pay myself anywhere near what I currently make. Well, I'll answer the first part, I guess, first. I, I, I don't, that's a hard one to answer. It's very specific to your personal situation. I did not start this as a side gig, full disclosure. 
I think when I tell the story of this or people see what we've built here, they, they probably think this is the American rags, the richest sort of dream and build this place. Um, and, and that's not, that's probably not completely true in my case. So I came out of, of a field that, that I was doing okay in is, I mean, medical sales, healthcare, you could have a good career there. Mm-hmm. We had, I was a part of a company. We built this company up and it, it got sold. It got bought by a large hospital system here in Atlanta. And I was offered a job with that system. Like that, they took on all of our staff and I really did not like what I was doing. And I was not doing this on the side at all at the time. I was yeah. full time in that. Um, but I just didn't enjoy it. You could make plenty of money, do, you know, probably grow a great career there. I hated it. It was mm. one of the things where you didn't get out. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Uh, yeah. So at that time, to make a long story short, we, we were pregnant with our first child. My son Henry was about to be born. And it was a time my wife and I discussed, like, I don't want to do this. And two, two things I know in life, I don't want to keep this job going. And I also don't want this child that I'm feeling connected to and love. I don't want to put him in daycare. Mm-hmm. My wife at the time is very good at what she does. Um, as a family, we, we decided that she's going to go back to work. Yeah. Um, so when I dove into this, that was sort of the, the precursor of that is that this would be something I could do and maybe keep my son with me during the day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she was working. So I never had that fear. Uh, we had some income. Um, so if I failed or I had no money and dot poured into this full-time immediately, it's not like a, we wouldn't eat at night. Yeah. Sure, there'd be cuts. Things are going to be tight. Like we're right. living on half what we, what we were, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not start this as a side gig. I went in full-time from the very beginning. Um, and paid myself nothing to the whoever's asking this question, nothing at the very beginning. And I, uh, I had planned that maybe I can last six months on what we had saved up, and and we you know had six months to sort of make this thing work. And it took a year and a half, <laughs> yep. you know. So that, that's the way we're. I was basically a, a full time dad, as with a side gig, if you want to think of that way, of, yeah. of, uh, as a gym. And that was that was very tough. So I did not do it as a side gig. I would, if I, if this person's asking for advice of wind and transition, not knowing your personal situation, if you have that other income there, um, I'll tell you this, I, I think there's, there's downsides and upsides on both sides. First of all, I don't think you'll ever do your best work and really feel the stress of that if you don't jump all the way in at some point. Yep. I think that that can, that, that can motivate in a very, very unique way. Like I, if I'm going to eat at night, I have to make this work. And that's a powerful thing. Yeah. I also think that if, if, if you are a single person with no one else relying on you, you're young, I think you'd probably jump. I think you'd do it because if what's the worst that could happen, I mean, look at your finances, look at all the money you've got saved up, squirreled away, credit cards, whatever you can say, I've got one chance to make this work. Go for it. And if you, if it, you know, if you die trying, probably got the rest of your life to recover. Now, if you had a family that you have to support, you've got kids that need to eat, put clothes on their backs. I would probably advise that completely differently. I would say, um, I would keep it as a side gig as long as possible, uh, until it makes financial sense until at least your egg is your nest is covered there. Yeah. Um, because as me, as a man, as a father, I, I couldn't put my family at risk if people, other people are relying on me. Yeah. I don't think I'd be willing to do that. Even though I still believe I would jump in. A lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, when to start paying themselves. Okay. Um, yeah. They'll drive revenue, put it back into the business, maybe right. hire some people before they pay themselves. Um, and that's a hard way to go because you've yeah. got to live as well. So how did you balance that? I didn't. I'd, so when I said six months, it was a year and a half before I probably ever paid myself and probably 
two to three years before I ever took money out of the company that you would say is a reasonable salary. One of the things is, is I did reinvest almost everything into the business. Yeah. And because of the mindset of which I wanted to grow this, I, I wanted to get it better and better. Did I have to have the new rowers, the newest bikes every six? No, I didn't have to. But because of what I built my business and what I stand behind, I wanted to do, I wanted to have the best possible product, and the best possible experience. And again, on the back end, I was blessed in a, a fortunate way to have a spouse working so we could still eat. Yep. Remember, we didn't, didn't have any extra, didn't do anything else. So when do you pay yourself? I think you, you, you pay yourself when you need to. And then otherwise, I, my honest opinion is you put it off as long as possible until you've built a sustainable product. Right. And you think this product is something I'm proud of now. And I deserve to be paid. Mm. Frankly, when I was in here at the beginning and it was a dungeon of a warehouse with lights that barely worked. And yeah, I was working my butt off. But this wasn't a great product. Like I wouldn't have paid myself if I was one of my clients. I wouldn't have paid me for what it was. And I'm glad it's still a lot of people believe in me and did. But that's when I would pay myself is when I think I've earned it. Yeah. No, that's really good. All right, let's yeah. move on. When your business started to grow and you began to transition from having to wear all the hats, mm. what were the first jobs or roles you hired out, you outsourced, or you delegated? That is that is a very good question. Yes, we you, every entrepreneur, as we all know, has to wear every hat for some period of time. Beginning, you're you're the owner, the operator, the cleaner. If you've never read, this is my first book. I've never read the book E Myth. Pretty much anyone starting business needs to read that. Fantastic. Yep. The first thing I outsource is the thing that I was the worst at and and also hated. And that's what I tell people is if you get to know yourself, there's going to be things you're good at, you're skilled at, and there's things that you're not. The first thing you need to get off your plate is the things you're not good at because that's probably also the thing that you're not doing well. And thirdly, the thing that's taking you the most time. Mm -hmm. It's probably sucking a lot of time and energy. So for me... That first thing uh, was any type of digital social media website, uh, marketing, advertising. I, I hate, I don't do social media posts. I think it was essential for our business early on. Mm -hmm. so the very first person I brought on was someone to just to help me with that on the side. I, but pretty much the theme of me is going to be anything with computers. Not my thing. I grew up in construction. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't think <laughs> using a computer. So like our we I outsourced our website design before our doors were even opened. And there's, there's companies out you can do that. Maybe you don't have five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to build a website, but I found one that would just do it off a subscription. Like you pay it, I think it's 250 bucks a month. I was like, okay, I can figure that out. Get that off my plate. Um, so those things were the very first roles I outsourced. And I found a great individual to help me with, with that stuff that, that she's also been able to transition to even bigger roles. Um, save, that would be my general advice for people. Save one thing. If there's something that you are terrible at, but that you think there's value in learning, keep that on your plate. And so that here's that for me is this is accounting. Mm. I think most business owners say like, get your legal accounting, like get professionals around you. I didn't, I wanted to learn QuickBooks. I wanted to learn how to do all that money. Cause I think knowing your numbers is important in business. I'm now I'm terrible at managing finances. In fact, this other person helps me with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> she would, she would laugh at that. Um, but I wanted to know, at least on a basic level, how to do accounting. I think yeah. that was valuable. And I still hate it. There's nothing fun about that. Uh, maybe I've been no accountants that don't think it's fun. Right. But I forced myself to learn that. Well, I think that's so two really solid nuggets people need to rewind and listen to. The e-myth yes. is incredible. Yeah. And when you first read it. You've read it, Jason? I have, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I first read it, it was right before or right around when I started my business okay uh the first one yep. that failed miserably yeah um when i read it 
I thought I was the exception yeah. to this book. Everybody does. Yep. Right? And so that's what I will tell anybody <laughs> listening to this is when you read it, you will be so arrogant to think, no, this isn't me. Yep. It is you. Just because you're really good at being a personal trainer does not mean that you will be good at owning and running a gym. Correct. And that is, the e-myth is essential. Should be required reading, I think, for by starting a business. It really should. And probably read it with someone, a mentor, someone who can help you see some of your blind spots. Yeah. Um, that was really good. And then the second thing is knowing the numbers, um, regardless of whether it's a strength or not, you have to have those fundamentals of what's my revenue coming in yeah. and what are my expenses going out. I mean, same as at home, that's the only way to run, you know, a, a, a wise business or a budget at home. So on the flip side, uh, this is my follow-up to you. What are some roles or tasks that you will always handle yourself that you will never delegate out? Well, again, it'd be what I would say is my strengths, the things I love. So uh, I, I never say never, but as long as I can, I am a, a pretty gregarious sales-minded guy. So every new client that ever entered our gym or ever wanted to join this place, I met with myself, mm. I think. I, I don't know of anyone that's come in. Maybe there's a couple of scenarios, but I'm always going to be the first person that sits down with them, I hope, yeah, um, officially, you know, informally, and tells them who we are, tells them about us. I don't think anyone can communicate my message better than me. Yeah. Um, so it would be very hard for me to train or to ask someone else to do that. Uh, and, and I know there's lots of great leaders out there that are how, how great sales leaders and sales managers. Uh, and I just, I don't have that in my community, and I don't know that I want that. Yeah. I want that to be me. So that would be one. Um, I enjoy speaking and teaching, case in point here perhaps. Um, so if, if, if there's ever an opportunity to, to actually, besides coach a, a fitness movement or, or something on nutrition, but to actually teach the, the science, the why behind it. Uh, I, I would always want to be that person. So yeah. those are probably the two roles I can't ever see myself giving up. I want to be the person that's shaking hands and, yeah. and, and giving people hugs and, and be seen. Yeah. You know, that's, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Best way to find solid employees. And I'll just caveat. I mean, every business is dealing with this right now. It's at the forefront of every business owner. How do I find good employees? Uh, if you were looking for a new coach or a team member, how would you go about that? That's a great, that's a hard question. Uh, and our gym here, I, I don't know any of the traditional channels uh, that I would be able to advise on there. I've been fortunate that all of our uh, employees and coaches have sort of come from within our community. In fact, there's people that have come to me saying, I want to be a part of this team here. I've yeah. got people now that want to be a bit, there are on this team and want to be a bigger part. Um, so as far as job boards and websites and postings and ads and all that, I, I really wouldn't know, Jess. You might know more uh, about that side than me. I can tell you what I look for an employee first. I don't really call them employee. They don't like the word member of our team. I want them to look, talk, feel, move like the clients we serve. So for us, our, our community here is mostly moms and dads, businessmen, businesswomen's kind of 30, 40, 50 years old kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's a 42-year-old with two or three kids works you know suburban family yeah that's what i want my team members to look like yeah so i i don't think i'll ever hire anyone else that doesn't have kids it's because i want them to speak that language i want them to be able to if someone's dealing with something so are the kids i want them to be able to give them a hug and speak speak into their life in that way yeah you know i probably won't ever hire anybody again that's not married uh, um i probably won't hire anybody that's you know under the age of i don't know 
25, at least not to be on the floor and do what I'm there. I mean, we have people in other roles that do those things. But yeah. and again, that's just not any, I never say never hard and fast rules. What I look for is it goes to where to find them. I don't know. What do you think? What yeah. are the most successful routes? Networking. Like, I'm not a big LinkedIn guy. I don't know this the stuff out there for that. Yeah, I don't know that in your industry, I'm not sure that LinkedIn's prolific. It is, you know, in other, you know, more um, yeah. regular business channels. But we and I have always subscribed to you're going to find your best people from your network, yeah. um, which is what you're saying, your community. Um, so that's where I would start. Um, that is likely a smaller pool yeah. in your mind than it really is. But I've found that if you can be really specific with people with what you're looking for, like what you just said is very specific. If you said, yeah, we're looking to hire a new trainer. Yeah. Well, geez, that's that's hard to really find and and while people may want to help you they really don't have enough direction whereas if you say i'm looking for someone to be a part of our team who is married and over the age of 30 and wants to work four hours a day yeah in the middle of the day yeah okay well wow that's very specific and people will then be like oh then you should meet tom or kim or whomever yeah yeah, I, I I think I have an inherent belief, at least in our industry, that if you're good enough at what you do, people will come wanting to be a part of that. Um, but, th- but I do believe that to some extent. Yeah. So. Okay. This one's uh, a little longer. Okay. But I think it needs to be. Yep. Uh, hey, Will, not really a question, even though it is. Thank you. Uh, but I think I saw one of the forums where you said you have a member cap at your gym and a wait list for new clients. Hmm. Just wondering if you can explain your thought process behind that and why on earth you'd ever want to prevent your business from growing on purpose or if it <laughs> maybe had more to do with other limits in your area like fire code or something like that. Uh, okay. My second follow-up to that is part of this that might make it a little easier. Would you consider a larger facility or a second location to com- continue to meet demand? Yeah, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a funny one. A lot to unpack there. Yes, I have, I have spoken about that publicly in some, I say publicly in some private forums and groups. And and um, yes, that it is true. It is real. Um, we, some people, and there's some people out there would advise that the scarcity model idea is that you advertise that there's a limit to something, and that brings in more interest. And that that's real. It works. Yeah. Um, whether the limit's real or not. Um, in our case, it is. And I think a lot of people thought I was just saying that to try to, you know, create demand. Yeah. Why would I do it? Why on earth would you ever limit the growth of your business? You wouldn't. And I'll, I'll explain that. But I, in our, in our facility and in any business, there are some things that will limit scalability. Yeah. You've got to identify what those things are. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're a, a hairdresser. Your limit is how many people can you get through your chair? You can't duplicate you. Our limit here is space and equipment. We have about a 4,000 square foot facility here, space and equipment. And the precursor to all of this is that the thing that I will not sacrifice no matter what from day one that I built this on is the experience of our clients. I want to have the best experience. That's what I judge everything by. And it goes, uh, every, every decision I make, whether it's a piece of equipment or what the temperature is or what the music is or anything is all about that. Everything, everything, team member I hire, it doesn't matter. So with what I'm limited by, bigger isn't always better. I use that line a lot with people. I think better is always better. Yeah. So there is a point where you can get so big and so crowded in 
what we do is usually class-based by the hour, and you get so crowded where I could see the experience is worse. Mm. So am I theoretically making more revenue by getting more people? Yes, I am. But if the experience is becoming worse for everybody here, then it's only a matter of time until that's going to start going the other direction. Right. People are going to leave. So again, using like a hairdresser model, if you know that you've got eight hours a day and it takes you an hour to cut a, someone's hair and your books are full, you can only take eight people a day. And then you have to cap yourself. The only way in my head you could possibly change that is to cut people's hair faster and fit more people in. And then probably you're going to do a worse job at that. And their experience is going to go down. Yeah. Eventually they're going to quit. I'm not willing to go through that. Yeah. So I would rather cap that. And that's what I decided to do. Now, that does not mean at all in my head that I'm trying to limit the growth of my business. I'm trying to limit one vertical from continuing to grow vertically. And at that point, I think what you have to be thinking about is how do you grow your business laterally? Mm. What are some other things you can be doing? And so we have some of those things that we're that at play here. We have a, a nutrition company on the side. We have kids programs and classes. There's, in, our, in our example, there's lots of ways. Again, if you're a hair salon, can you sell product? Can you do consulting? I, I don't know what, what those things are in, in every field. Mm-hmm. I just know that if you keep trying to f- add more people in, either you're going to be working more hours and you're going to get stressed out and you're going to do a worse job, or you're going to get people in faster and your result, their experience is going to be worse. Yeah, I'm not willing to do that. Um, so that's why I installed the cap here is, is I wanted to make sure our, our experience is great for all of our people. I don't want the quality of my product to ever be worse. Yeah. Um, to your follow-up, would you have a bigger facility? So would you remove some of those limiting factors on scalability? Uh, I would tell most people, yes, you should. Will I again, never say never, but I'll tell you, I'll say no. I'm not personally interested in a bigger space and I'm not, I'm not interested, don't have the energy to do this again. So I'm not going to open a second place like this. Anyways, I've done this once it's gone. Well, I'm more interested in, again, the lateral expanding into other avenues yeah. as those come about. Maybe this is one of them. I don't know. Right. Um, but I think that there's many business, you know, if you own a restaurant or something like that, for sure, that's, that's your, that's your, that's your next bet. Well, and what a trap. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good wisdom there, Will. Um, a lot of early entrepreneurs, business owners get caught in the trap that more is better. Yeah. Um, and they keep shoving more and more into the pipe, so to speak. More and more revenue, more and more clients. Yeah. Um, but as soon as quality starts to suffer, churn rate goes up, and now you're actually chasing a whole different animal. There's so many businesses and industries out there that just bake in a 30% churn, yeah. which means you're replacing 30% of your clients and revenue every month or quarter, whatever it is. And that's, yep. that's a lot of hard work. So if you can focus on quality and get your retention higher, yes, then that's a much more uh, satisfying and predictable revenue model. Retention. If people have a great experience, they're not going to leave. They're not going to quit participating in your product. Our churn rate's almost zero, believe it or not. People think I'm making that up. Most months, we have nobody leave. Uh, some months, it might be two or three. So it's never been above 5% ever in the history of our company. So that's why the wait list inherently happens. And if you're going to go to a model that is a higher churn rate, yeah, you could probably throw a lot more revenue in here, and I get that. Uh, but eventually, you're going to churn through the whole market, and then you have nothing. You're, and I don't want to get to that point. But the last thing I would say on this is when I say the client experience is first and foremost, I also think your experience as a business owner is important. 
I mean, maybe entrepreneurs don't realize that it's hard work, it's suffering, it's grinding, but at some point, this is also supposed to be fun and enjoyable, you know? Right. And that's okay. It should be. If right. you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to end up doing a good job at it. Right. So if I, for me personally, what's enjoyable is being able to walk into a place and know who everybody is. I'll just use that as an example here. So if I came in one day and there were 30 people in here that I don't know, I don't know their name even, I'm the owner of this place, I'm supposed to be investing in their lives in a healthy way. That wouldn't be okay with me. It would be fun. I would hate that. Yeah. Same if I came in here and there was 50 people on the floor that would fit 20. I would hate that. I'd probably just smell bad. I don't know. <laughs> you know, at some point it wouldn't be enjoyable. Yeah. So if I wouldn't want to be a part of that place, then I'm not going to own a place that that, that that turns into what that looks like. So uh, that that's it for me is that I, I want to know everybody. Yeah. And there's a number in my head of how many people that can possibly be. Yeah. And we're there. One of, uh, one of the things that I've talked to um, – you know, in sales leadership meetings and things like that is there's this place in, in every, especially salespeople's career where they go from being a novice to more of a, of an expert. And there's a certain level of confidence that comes along. So at the beginning of these sales reps, uh, experience, you ask a question and they just throw up all the information that they have. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's a client. Everybody could be a client. Everybody could be a prospect. Yeah. The more seasoned, mature people, they get to the point where they're very confident and very okay with maybe you're not a great client. Right. Maybe you're not our prospect. And that's okay. Not everybody is. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, when you cap a membership, Yeah. what about when you have somebody who maybe doesn't fit yeah. the mold here and how do you go about identifying that and, and maybe helping them find a place that is a better fit for them? Yeah, I'll do, um, I'll do that straight up. I'm not embarrassed to do that. I, I, I sit down. You're right. Look, I own a gym. I own health, fitness, nutrition. I literally, what you said is this, that is something everybody needs. Everybody it, it's everybody is a potential client. Yeah. But the way we go about it isn't a great fit for everybody. I'm aware of that. And the first thing I sit down and tell people uh, when they meet with me and we're about to go, I explain what we do. Usually they're here at a time they can watch what we do. And again, we're a gym. So, you know, we're a pretty aggressive, intense environment of a gym, I would say. And, and group fitness too. That's group important. Fitness, that's to say. right. That's right. And I tell people that for me, we are a place for people that take exercise seriously um, that doesn't mean they have to be phenomenal shape, look like Thor, and they walk in here a lot. We have grandparents come in and never worked out in their lives. But it's we're not the kind of place that people want to dabble in it. And and the line I always use is get the uh, FDA-recommended 30 minutes of exercise a day check mark. I think that's important as well. And I'm not poo-pooing that whatsoever. I think everyone does need that. Yeah. The people that are only interested in that aren't going to do well here. They're not going to like it here. I mean, you can join and it seems exciting, but probably in a couple months you're going to end up leaving. And I tell people that straight up. And I will give you a list of places nearby that I think would be better for you. I'm, I'm, I'm all about getting people moving and eating and healthy. So if you're the person that, for instance, travels all the time or you have a very odd schedule, what we do is class-based. So it, the people that do the best here have a certain time they've made sacred in their day. And most, by and large, that's when they come, you know, save a couple of here, one-offs here and there. If you're the if your schedule's all over the place, you can't do work out till late at night, you're on the road all the time, this isn't going to be great for you. You need to go to somewhere that's 24-hour access, no no limitations on flex, you know, completely flexible. That's not us. Yeah. If you're someone that doesn't like loud music and loud noises, you're not going to like it. If you came from yoga and that's your style, you're not, if you're a yoga person, you're not going to like it here. We're right. the polar opposite. Right. I think yoga is wonderful. I think more people should do it. And I will recommend a yoga studio for someone that wants that that's what they're looking for. Um, 
So as an entrepreneur, don't be ashamed to communicate what your product is and stand behind it and say, maybe we're not for everybody. Yeah. Um, because again, you're going to limit your churn rate. You're going to make your experience. Very, if you've got a whole business full of people that are like-minded and trying to pursue the same result and the same experience, the same product, well, that's going to just catapult your success versus half of them are kind of one foot in one foot out. They're like, not sure about this. Yeah. Well, that's going to be very, very hard to keep together in a coherent way. I would think that's a lot easier to say and do now. I'm envisioning myself opening a gym and the second person who walks in is some big beefed up beefcake who wants to have a a rack and a mirror and have their headphones in and just work out by themselves grunting for two hours. And you're Mm -hmm. tempted to say, sure, you can do that here just so you get a client in revenue. Absolutely correct. And I've made that mistake several times. I've had... Say now, even within the last two years, I've had people who have, that have wanted to pursue a certain thing. I said, sure, come on in. And then it turned into a headache. It didn't fit our culture. It didn't fit what we do. And I had to yeah. kind of ax some of that and say, you know, it was a mistake. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, you're right. You're starving for every dime. And you try to be everything to everybody. But my warning to that is, is try, even if you want to, to bring them into your product, try your best to convert them. And, and if you believe in your product enough, you, you're really preaching it then do your best to convert them to also believe in it. And maybe yeah. you can, yeah. and then maybe you can't. Right. <laughs> right. I'm living that right now. Like as I'm getting this commercial real estate thing up and running, yeah. you know, somebody will send a referral, be like, Hey, could you help this person with this specific space? And you My want inkling to. is absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Potential client. Yes. Um, but we've had to have a lot of discussions on, is that our ideal client? Is that your best use of time? And do you want referrals coming from, that oh, market. Yeah. You know, so there's a, a lot more of a trail there. And so it's really hard to say no to dollars when you need dollars uh, in the pursuit of more wisdom around that. I mean, it's very hard. I can, I'm living yeah, it. Yeah, in the real estate field, that because it does seem like, yeah, a building's a building. Yeah, no. But it's, a, but it's not. No, it's not. Talking about capping membership, space issues, brick and mortars. Have you ever looked at going digital? I mean, obviously, lots of people release digital programming and digital memberships where maybe somebody can zoom in and do the group fitness class while in their garage. Yeah. I mean, that's the, so that was the COVID thing, right? Uh, No. In fact, I, uh, I mean, I don't have a lot to say on this. I think it's a great idea and the people that do it well are making 10 to a hundred times what I can make because it's infinitely scalable. Yep. Um, Funny because, Right before COVID happened, I released a funny video about Peloton. I think it's called F Peloton was the title of it. It's probably the most successful. It kind of went semi-viral. It got shared around the Peloton community. But the point wasn't to poo-poo Peloton. The point was that what I believe in is I believe in people being around each other. I've always said that the things that uh, that I've noticed, that people that do well and they enjoy and it brings a lot of value to their lives sustainably for a long time, they typically do with other people. So I think of things like church. Think of things like going out to dinner, going to a movie, um, country clubs, playing golf. Yeah. Have you ever played around a round of golf by yourself versus the other four, three other people you like? Right. You ever gone to church on TV? How was that? Right. I mean, everyone did that. If you're a church going person, everyone spent a year going to church on TV. What's mom's day out look like by yourself? Right, right. Was that fun? <laughs> did you get the same out of that? It's the same sermon, right? They played the songs on the TV. It all, was it the same? No, it wasn't the same experience. Yeah. So go, just going out to dinner alone, you got to do it. By your, go to the movie by yourself. Like you look like a depressed idiot. 
<laughs> and you might love the movie. And I've done it. I, I, I really wanted to see a movie. My wife didn't want to see it yeah. I went by myself. But it's not the same. It's no. Something's not the same. So I believe that in what I do is that there's a magic of doing it together. Yeah. So I have no, and again, I started this by saying anything with a computer is not my thing. But I think for most business, if you're asking that question, you're up against that sort of limiting factor in your business. And you have the opportunity to go digital and you think that's a skill set that you can employ and do well. I think you should go for it. I do think there's value there. And I think that the people that can master that, one of our companies, I guess you could say, is remote-based and sort of digital on the on the nutrition end. But as far as a digital experience, I mean, there's people uh, in our industry, street parking is a great example. Yeah. They just they created online digital programming. Miranda and her husband have done a phenomenal job with that. And I don't even know what the revenue is huge. I, I saw it reported somewhere out of just creating garage workouts for people. Yeah, And uh, there's several out there yeah. that are doing that. Chalk, right? Marcus, Philly, a lot of people. Right. All right, so uh, next question is, and this was uh, getting in a little bit more personal to here. Mm-hmm. You rebranded early on in your business. Why? Did you quit doing CrossFit or just change your model? Was that a big admin legal headache to unwind? Sorry for the multiple questions, but did you incorporate a software platform and other business tools at the beginning or just grow into that? <laughs> so it sounds like this is somebody who's trying to figure out, like, what do I do from the very beginning? Um, do you partner with a, a name brand like CrossFit? Do you invest in technology yeah. out of the gates or do you wait for, for revenue to come around? Yeah, great. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. For someone new, um, for anybody listening who doesn't know what CrossFit is, but it is kind of the style of fitness that we pursue by and large here. And um, you're right. That's true. Um, were not, you Synergy CrossFit? We were. Uh, we still are on paper, technically. Uh, that's the name of my LLC. We never did business as, as that. Uh, we CrossFit had some affiliation naming rules. So our, our, our affiliate name is CrossFit South Forsyth under CrossFit's name. We are still a CrossFit affiliate, actually, as of right now. I don't know how long that'll be. I didn't have it. Dave, if you're listening. Yeah, that's right, Dave. Give me a call. <laughs> I'll put my number up. Um, I uh, About two years in, I did, quote, rebrand publicly. I took it out of my name and quit using the word. Why is that? Did we run from CrossFit? No. At that time, we didn't. Uh, for those that are listening, they don't know much about Cro- CrossFit. The definition of CrossFit, as they state it, is is high in, is is constantly varied functional fitness performed at high intensity. So if you break that down, it's so freaking broad that it means just about everything. Like if you do anything that's quote functional, which we could argue about all day, you do it differently all the time, and you do it hard and fast. It's CrossFit. Mm-hmm. So that means that Orange Theory's CrossFit, Iron Tribe's CrossFit. Hit classes or CrossFit, running sprints is CrossFit, climbing trees, just about anything. Right. So when something is so broad that it's anything, it kind of means nothing. That's what it became for me. Mm-hmm. It's like this word doesn't mean anything. I'm a t- CrossFit is a methodology. It's a style of training. It's not a brand. And I think some pe- a lot of people mistake that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a business model. CrossFit doesn't give me any coaching on how to open a business, how to run it. Does, doesn't tell me what to do for software, as the question goes. Didn't do, do any of that. It said, hey, take these classes, learn how to coach these movements the way we coach it, and pay us this fee, and you can be a CrossFit affiliate. So when I look at that and I say I'm attaching myself, at first you think you needed that because the power of that brand was so big it attracted people. Yeah, it makes you legitimate. It makes you legitimate. Yeah. You put it on your door, it's going to bring people in. Yeah. So I thought that. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. But uh, the brand, I want my brand to be me, mm. win or lose. If I stand behind something of myself, so Synergy is my brand, that's what I'm creating. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with it or I'm going to die with it, yeah. one or the other. 
if I'm attached to CrossFit, I'm not in control of that. So, right, as we, in hindsight, as we can see, if the owner of CrossFit or that brand does something that's disagreeable with the community, buy, I get lumped in with that. Yeah. I see the effects of that. If they do something great, I get lumped into that. Well, I didn't want to take that risk on either end of it. I yeah. wanted it to be based on what I accomplish and what I do. I will say this also to, to, to finish on this question. This is a bigger one. The number one thing that I would say for any business owner that's in a field, it's a commoditized field like fitness. There's a million gems everywhere, right? Real estate. There's, there's agents everywhere on every corner. Yep. Um, the biggest key, I think, to getting traction success is differentiating yourself from the early on. How are you different? How are you better? Yeah. If I opened a gym and I put CrossFit on my door, I'm the same as every other CrossFit gym. There's CrossFit Atlanta, CrossFit Los Angeles, CrossFit California, CrossFit, just, just every word in the world, in every city, every ge geography with the word CrossFit. They're all thousands of affiliates everywhere. Yeah. And I typically, when I see everybody else going one direction, doing one thing, I tend to try to go the opposite for a, no other reason than I want to be different. Yeah. And they may all win together, the reason I did this is because I saw it starting to do this. I saw this group of people all behind this one thing starting to maybe do this. And I'm yeah. like, well, I need to do something different. Yeah. I want to go the other way. So not having that name alone gave me the, the, the kind of bravery to try some things different. Let's push it. And some people that know how we do our programming, run our things are probably are different than most CrossFit quote affiliates or gyms you go in. Yeah. So I, I think that any, any entrepreneur should see that if they want to differentiate, differentiate themselves, then be careful with things like your name and who you are, because to the public that doesn't know you at all, doesn't know a thing about you. They see that word on there. If they, if you're a waffle house and your name and you, you've got a, a, a breakfast place and you call it waffle house, Atlanta, they're going to assume you're a waffle house, like all the other waffle houses, yeah. even you might not be, but you use that name. That's what you're going to, we think you make waffles and eggs and it's got the certain look and feel and smell when you walk in there. Right. Well, I, but my gym doesn't, I'm trying to tell we're different, but your name's not. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, it is. That's good. So speaking of names, I have a little fun with this one. Um, where did the nickname school of fitness originate? <laughs> yeah. Synergy school of fitness. <laughs> that's a good, that's a yeah, quick one. We, uh, <laughs> it, well, it originated because one day we had, a, we got snowed in. It was one of those snowy days where all the schools were closing and icy roads conditions. And we were trying to decide whether or not we should have evening classes. The ice storm was coming in and I popped on the news because the outside kids want to know if schools are going to be closed tomorrow. And I popped on and, and we were talking as a team, like, should we cancel classes this evening or in the morning when the, when it was going to freeze even more overnight? And, uh, and so at the same time I was wondering about schools, I was wondering if we should open the gym, if it was safe to get there. And I was like, Hey, we should probably not, we should probably close, uh, close the gym too. Cause first of all, no one's going to come cause school's not up. So when I turned on the news, it was scrolling. I was like, it dawned on me. How do I get <laughs> my name? I saw something. You start seeing some things that aren't schools, but like big institutions, like colleges and like the Atlanta Institute for art. I'm like, what is that? Is that in a school? Yeah. Like no one cares, but they are schools. They are schools. <laughs> so and I, I think even huge corporations were even putting themselves on there, like Coca-Cola offices closed or something. I don't know. So I was like, how do you do that? Is it hard? Like, is there a channel? And then I, I so just my mind how it works. I'm like, <laughs> is it as simple as just like writing in on the website and saying the school's closed and they'll put it up there? And I, I, I Google it. Yeah, there it is. So I was like, I think I'll try it. So I, f I found the form you fill out or whatever when you submit this. And I said, hey, big announcement. Synergy School of Fitness is closed in the morning. <laughs> Click submit. 
And then I just sit back and watch the news. And sure enough, it scrolls across the ticker right there. So it's, it's like Swanee Elementary and then Synergy School of Fitness opening two hours late or whatever it was. It's <laughs> incredible. And from then on, and I was laughing so hard. It was on, you know, the Atlanta News. Yeah, who, who knows how many people see that? And I just thought that was the greatest accomplishment. If Absolutely. I didn't accomplish anything in my business for the rest of that year, I did that not knowing it was possible. So I think it stuck from that. <laughs> That's awesome. But it's got a ring to it, doesn't it? It really does. Synergy School. Especially now that we're a private school, you know, <laughs> right, we're right. capped. That's a good one. All right. Uh, just wondering if you've, all right, so this one's switching gears. It's going to be a little more serious. Um, mm. Just wondering if you've ever had to deal with uh, staff or competitors stealing your clients. <laughs> I don't believe in it. How about that? That's good. This is a, this is a fun one. It'll be a short one. Don't believe it. I don't believe in it. I think people that use that language are weak. And, yeah. and, and uh, I, I'm sorry. That's how I feel. There's no such thing as stealing a client. Uh, you can lose a client. But nobody comes to someone's house and holds a gun to them <laughs> through their head and say, hey, you're coming with me to Synergy. That's not how any of this happens. Yeah. And... I know it feels that way to some owners at sometimes like, Hey, this other gym is directly marketing towards my people. Maybe there's people like reaching out one-on-one personally. Well, it, even in that case, if that happened, do I think that's a little shady? Yeah, it's unfortunate. It just means that somewhere along the line, that person or that place developed a better relationship with that person than you did. Should be a wake up call and say, yeah. Hey, I, I could have done better. If, if again, it goes back to that value and that experience, if someone here is having a great experience, they think the value is there. They're going to stay. For some reason, there's not. And there's a lot of component. We could have a whole other podcast and components of that. Yeah. It could be price. Could be If somewhere lo- opened up that was just as good right next to my house, that's more convenient, that's half the price, and well, at some point, that could be a better experience for me. And you could lose the person to that. So, yes, I, I, that could happen. But you didn't. No one stole it. Someone beat you. Yeah. And you lost it. Yeah. And that's okay. I think that there's a lesson to be learned there. So, I don't believe in it. And, and in my field, I don't even – I get hammered for this a lot. I don't even believe in competition, actually. I don't really look at my competitors, what they do. I There's a, within five square miles of here, there's 200,000 people. And, you know, 140 of them are fat. 140,000 of them are fat. Yeah. And there's about 10 gyms, and we each have, you know, one, two, 300 members. So do the math. We don't have competition. The, yeah. the idea is we're not stealing other, in our industry, not stealing other slices of each other's pie. The pie is not big enough. That's the yeah. problem. We need to realize that we need to get more of the pie, get it bigger. Um, well, you see that a lot, um, a lot, and that's really boils down to a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. Scarcity mindset said there's only so many opportunities out there. So if you got one, I didn't get it. Yeah. An abundance mindset is exactly what you're talking about. There are so many people that need to be working out and fitnessing that if you get one, great, because that's one more person who is fitnessing. Let's all go get more of those. Yes. Um, and that's, it's a really big deal. And, and if you're listening to this, try to assess whether you have that scarcity mindset. That that's is one of the right. biggest limiters to anyone in business is, is having that because it's fear-based. Okay, uh, last one. I have an employee that I suspect is getting... Too big for her britches, air quotes. A good Southern if expression. That, if that makes sense. I've heard through the grapevine that she's interested in maybe one day opening her own shop, and I'm worried about me training a future competitor. Yeah. The issue is they are also our best instructor, and everybody loves her. Any suggestions on how to handle this situation besides firing them for no reason because I feel stuck? 
Yeah, it's, it's sort of like the last question away. You're afraid they're going to take your clients, go do their own thing. I would say, I actually talked to someone a while back, had the same fear. Um, I What would I do? I would encourage them. I would um, keep doing everything to develop them. And if they wanted to go do that, I would probably help them, honestly. Um, I would say two things to be aware of. Like we said at the very beginning, being the greatest technician at what you do is very different than going and opening it and doing it on the grander level, running a whole business of it. So yeah. I'd not to say that they're probably going to fail. I'm not saying that. But chances are they're going to struggle with it if they're just the best coach in that field or whatever that is. Right. The best person at cutting someone's hair, probably the best person at running a hair salon and owning one and all that goes into that. Uh, I'm that. I'm a good example. I don't think I'm the best coach here. Um, the other thing I would say is that it you should take pride in that because if you have, if, if you if first have identified someone with that caliber of talent and have hired them onto your team, that's a great hiring job you did. So you're doing really well at that. Secondly, if you've developed them to the point where they are capable of leading people to, to developing those relationships and maybe one day going and opening up their own shop, then you're obviously a great leader. You've, you've trained people well. You should be proud of that. Yeah. Um, and then if they do go do that thing, um, chances are it, 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 it's going to have a minimal impact. You're probably, you're probably mentally stressing out over the impact much larger than it's actually going to happen. Should, could they take half your clients with them? Yes. But then again, you've lost those clients. Somehow that person developed a better relationship, did a better job with them than you did. Yeah. And you either have to be okay with that or you're not. And if you're not, then you, that's a learning experience and that, that you need to watch that. Now, if there's certain agreements in place in your business and you've got non-competes and things and there, there is a really leg, legally binding uh, wrong way they went about it, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, you, you should pursue and prevent that. And maybe there is a place where you have to terminate that, that person. It, you know, I would imagine in real estate, there's very defined paths on how people can interact with clients and yeah. agents. And if an agent that was working in your office went and, and really engaged a client you're already working with, that, those are very well-defined lines, right? Yeah. In my field, they're not. Yeah. Uh, there, there's coaches here that know people and are a lot closer to people than I am. I know that. And I'm proud of that, actually. And if that coach thought one day, we've had a couple coaches do some things on the side on their own. And if they wanted my help to go do that, I would help them. Yeah. I really would. Because I don't have a scarcity mindset. One of my favorite quotes ever, and we can wrap up on this, Richard Branson, who owns Virgin Airlines, yeah. Virgin Music, Mobile, all that stuff. He says, train your people well enough so they could leave. Treat them well enough so they won't. Wow. And that's a really big, I've heard that. I've always tried to uh, embody that anytime I've been in leadership is continue to pour into them, train them so they could leave you and go crush it, but treat them so well, they don't that's want a, to. That's a great quote. I've never heard that. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Is that it? That's okay. it. Thank you, Jason. This is fun. This that wraps fun. up podcast one. I think we'll, uh, we're going to do more of this down the road. Yep. I appreciate your help. Those are great questions. Thank you to everyone out there that asked them, by the way. Having, I know it takes a lot of, uh, of bravery to come forward and maybe be vulnerable in that way. And um, we'll throw our handles up there and anything else. If anybody wants to reach out and talk more about this stuff, I'm happy to do that. So that does it for this week, I guess. Look forward to talking to everybody some more. Get Jason back in this room, maybe drinking some bourbon, having some fun with some people. We'll see where it goes. Functional life, baby. Functional life. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Take care. See ya.